Good morning everyone and welcome to Essex Church, home of Kensington Unitarians. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Janine and I'm a member of this congregation as well as part of the themed ministry team alongside Jane and our minister Sarah and they're both away having well-deserved breaks this week. And I welcome you here in the hope that whether you're a first-timer or a seasoned visitor or podcast listener, there's something in this service today which speaks to your most pressing need. That if you're troubled, you'll find peace. If you're confused, you'll find insight. If you're feeling downhearted, that you'll find comfort. If you're lonely, that you'll find a sense of companionship. And if you're feeling strong, that you'll find moments of challenge, learning and growth. Our chalice is our beacon of our Unitarian faith, linking us to Unitarian and Unitarian Universalist congregations across our planet. And as we light our flame, may it remind us that we seek our place in the world and the answers to our heart's deep questions. And as we seek, may our hearts be open to unexpected answers. And may the light of our chalice remind us that this is a community of warmth, of wisdom and welcoming of multiple truths. Um, Our story is quite a long one, so I invite you to settle in and get comfy if you wish. And it's about a man who believes that his way of doing things is the only way, but then he realises differently. So... Here's the story of the magic water and the buckets. Once upon a time, there was a young man who lived in a town far away from here. Every day at dawn, he'd leave his home and go to the nearby village where there was a magic well. This well was magic because of the water contained within. It was magic water that cured all ills. People would come from far and wide to draw water from the well, sipping it daily to keep sickness away. And if ever someone did become ill, a cup full of water was enough to have them feeling better in seconds. This man, he liked to go early each morning, as the magic well could get busy with people as the day went on, and he didn't like to queue. Now, many years ago, the first person from his town who discovered the magic well had brought back her water in a square blue bucket. She had told the town about the healing properties of the magic water and that what enabled the healing properties to stay potent on the journey back to town was the colour and shape of her blue square bucket. So the townsfolk started going to the well with blue square buckets. 
They didn't know if there was any reason why the buckets had to be square or blue in colour, other than what they'd been told. They just knew that this is how it had always been, and that it worked for them. So one day, our man, he was visiting a friend at a neighbouring house. And the neighbour, she was quite distressed as she was feeling a little unwell and had just discovered that her square blue bucket was broken. The man said that he'd happily go and get some water for, from the well for her later that day as he'd used the water that he'd brought back that morning. So later that day off he set. He'd only ever journeyed to the village in the morning, so he was hoping to himself that the magic well wouldn't be too busy. When along the path, he saw a couple coming towards him, carrying a circular red bucket. What have you got there? he asked. Oh, we've got some water from the magic well and we're taking it home, they replied. To this the man said, but your bucket's the wrong colour and shape. You couldn't possibly have magic water in there. The couple were puzzled at the man's statement, but bid him a good day and continued on their journey. Further along the road, the man bumped into an older man. He was also carrying a bucket. This one was yellow and triangular in shape. What have you got in your bucket? Our traveller asked. My pet dog hasn't been feeling well, so I made the long journey to get her some water from the magic well. That will never work, said our man. Everyone knows that the only way to keep the healing properties working in the water is to carry and keep it in a blue square bucket. The older man told our traveller he had always used his yellow triangular bucket and used it with success before, but our man wouldn't hear of it, and so they parted ways. Almost at the village now, our man bumped into a young woman with a little boy. He saw that they were carrying a rather large bucket between them, and this bucket was hexagonal in shape. And in the afternoon sunlight, our traveller could see that their bucket was purple. I wonder what they could be carrying, he thought to himself. So as he got closer, he asked, Good afternoon, what have you got in your bucket? The little boy excitedly replied, We've been to get some magical healing water. Well, your water won't heal, said the man. The young woman replied, Our water always has, and I'm sure it will continue to do so. But the man wouldn't believe her and said, Everybody knows that the only buckets that truly work are blue and square, not hexagonal or purple. Hearing this, the little boy got worried and started to cry, and the young woman reassured him that their water worked just as well as any water in a blue square bucket. She turned to the man and said, 
Just as in the nature that surrounds us, there are more shapes and colours in life than just square and blue. One is no better than the other. They all have their work and do the job as suited to them. You'll see. And they went on their way. What could she possibly have meant, thought the man, now approaching the arched entranceway to the village. He walked a little further and there in the middle of the village he could see the magic well. And lots of people. At first he grumbled a little remembering why he liked to go to the magic well early. And then he noticed something. He saw that the people were carrying buckets. And they were a multitude of colours. He went to the well and joined the queue, watching as one by one the people drew the magic water and poured it into their buckets. There were pink buckets, orange buckets, green ones, even silver ones. And he'd never seen so many different shaped buckets in all of his life. He was astonished. Not only because of the variety of buckets, but also because he'd never truly noticed that there were so many different kinds before. The young woman's words came to his mind and he realised he'd only ever noticed the blue square buckets because that's what they used in his town. And so they were the only ones that he thought counted. This, he thought, is a really valuable lesson I've learned. Never again will I think that there's only one shape or colour that matters. All shapes and colours of buckets are equally important for the task. And do you know, from that day on, our traveller told the tale of his afternoon adventures to the magical well and the lesson that he learned. And soon the people in his town realised that they could use buckets of any colour and shape, knowing each had its value, and they never thought that blue square buckets were the best and only buckets ever again. And that's the story of the magic water and the buckets. As we think of the things shared or not shared in our joys and concerns, the things which bring lightness and joy, and those things which bring sadness and turmoil, may we be held in the sanctity of wholeness that both good and bad things happen and both joy and sorrow are part of our experience of life. And when we think of the things we have concern for in our lives, the lives of our loved ones, in the news and media which report from places near and far, affected by violence, natural disasters, famine and disease, poverty and exploitation. 
Let us take a few moments to, sp to send our loving concern through thoughts and prayers to these people and places in our world who need it most today. And in ways like this, may we be helped to bring comfort to others in sad times, as well as receive comfort when we need it. And in the good times, may we be a giver and receiver of joy, reminding ourselves and others of life's fun times and happiness. So may it be. Amen. In this brief reading from her book, Compass Points, Margaret Silf writes about relationships between unlikely companions, teaching us all something. You really wouldn't want to run into a buffalo on a dark night. They weigh in excess of 2,000 pounds, and their intimidating appearance, complete with horns, doesn't immediately suggest a warm welcome, but they have a friend, a tiny colourful bird called the Oxpecker, who thinks nothing of landing on their backs for a meal of ticks, flies and maggots, and bringing its host welcome relief from these parasites. And you wouldn't want to tangle with a crocodile if you value your life. But another bird, a little plover in East Africa, actually enjoys sitting amongst cross the crocodile's teeth. It, live, it lives on the parasites there, and the crocodile gets a visit to the dental hygienist for free. These are symbiotic relationships. Relationships between unlikely companions each of whom benefits from the encounter. They have something to teach us. When we live and work for the welfare of one another, a whole new range of possibility opens up and natural fears and enmities can be dissolved. This short reading by Unitarian Universalist Minister Maureen Killeran speaks of a deeply dear connection which, although its value was overlooked by others because of its nature, she will always treasure it. He was, I'm told, just a dog. But who was it? that fresh from the litter, climbed onto my chest, licked my face, and rubbed his pink baby nose against my cheek. Who chewed the edges of my only antique desk? Who hiked to the top of Multnomah Falls, snug and safe in my backpack? 
who tore through the house like mad before wriggling under the covers to snore himself to sleep. He was just a dog, they say, just a dog. When I dragged home after a day when everything went wrong, who leapt for joy because I was all right? When my spouse's heart was blocked enough to warrant surgery, who slept pressed firm against me, keeping my heart open in time of need? Who kept a soggy chew toy handy in case I need reminding that the universe is sustained by play? Who taught me to notice the little things of life. Who loved me unconditionally and believed that a walk around the block with me was the highlight of the day? Jessie was a dog, a Boston Terrier to be precise. For 10 years, he was just a central part of my life. I loved him. There are no other words. When it came time, I had to let his body go. But a Jesse-shaped spirit lives on in my heart. We might like to think about meaningful connections that we have in our own lives now as we listen to some music and this music will lead us into a good few minutes of shared stillness and silence together and our silence will be ended by some chimes from our bowl.
week, we're rounding off our month's ministry theme of relating and relationships by thinking about some unexpected connections. Unexpected because they're relationships which in some way might be overlooked. And just to say that there are so many different examples that I apologise for any which I don't mention in this address. So we started off our service with a story about a man who believed that the only successful way to draw water from the magical well was in a blue square shaped bucket. But in the end he realised that other shaped and coloured buckets could do the job just as well as his. But there's also another learning um, in the story for us to think about for a moment. And I'm not going to ask you to share, unless, of course, over tea and coffee later you want to amongst yourselves. But upon hearing about the characters that the man met in the story, I wonder how you imagined them. If you remember, he first met a couple, and then an older man, and then a young woman with a little boy. One thing that the story does quite subtly is bring to mind for us our ideas and stereotypes about different types of relationships, how we view them, how they should be acted out, the ones we see as valid and meaningful, and the ones we dismiss as unimportant. Thinking about the couple the man met in the story, was it assumed that the couple were male and female, both male, both female, similar or vastly different ages, married or not, or something else. <laughs> we can talk about that later. <laughs> when it comes to romantic relationships, societies and cultures can have very strong views and expectations about who the people within the relationship should be and how the relationship itself should be structured. One example is for couples in deeply committed romantic relationships to marry, or if a serious relationship is automatically assumed that they'll live together. Celebrity couples such as Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell have chosen not to marry, although being with each other for a long time and raising children together for many years. Oprah Winfrey has been asked many times by the tabloid press about her and her partner Stedman's decision not to marry, as if not marrying is a sign that they are not as committed to each other as they could be. And in terms of expectation of cohabiting, Tim Burton and Helena Bonham Carter chose to live in adjoining houses close by in Belsize Park for the duration of their long-term relationship instead of living in the same house together. Although these are celebrity couples, there are many couples who wouldn't make the headlines but are living their relationships in ways which work for them. Thinking about the second meeting the man had in our story now, he met with an older man whose dog was unwell. For some, the fact that the older man had taken a very long journey to get the healing water might not have stood out. 
In the second reading that we heard by Maureen Killeran, it highlighted her experience of others viewing her pet as just a dog. But her relationship with Jessie was a really important one in which she learned as much through it as with any relationship with a human being. Some of you may have had or have that experience yourself with, with pets or other animals you've known over time. I remember when talking with a celebrant friend of mine, they shared their experience of telling someone that they performed memorial services for people's pets. The person that they were telling this to said that they found the idea of memorial services for pets rather odd, obviously not recognising the close bond which can form between an owner and their pet. But these bonds can be very strong and beneficial to both the pet and the owner, like the first reading that we heard about the buffalo and ox pecker and the plover bird and the crocodile. Margaret Silf writes, these are symbiotic relationships, relationships between unlikely companions, each of whom benefits from the encounter. They have something to teach us. I don't think that the significance of the relationship between many owners and their pets should be underestimated, but should be affirmed instead. And we do that here, just like in many other Unitarian congregations, with a yearly pet service. So now, what about the young woman and the little boy the man encountered in our story? What of their relationship? I wonder if you imagine that they were a family, maybe a mother with her son. What about an older sister with her brother or an aunt with her nephew? The word family can be a very loaded one. Our societal celebrations cover Mother's Day and Father's Day alone. And most family representations in films, television programmes, in books the standard mum, dad and two children apply. But as we look around us, we can see that families come in all variables. At the last estimate, 200 to 300,000 children in the UK are living with kinship carers. That's living with, being cared for and brought up by aunts, uncles, grandparents, older siblings and close family friends. 200 to 300,000. And then there are those who are adopted or in foster families. And those foster and adoptive families can equally consist of same-sex or mixed-sex parents. These family structures and setups are often brought about by an external need, but definitely in combination with an internal desire which provides stability and security in children's lives. In discussion about this topic of relationships not following conventional norms, a friend said something which I thought was very interesting. He raised the point that if our experience doesn't match the conceived and expected idea of what things look like, then we can think that there's something wrong with us. 
and then in turn can't trust our own experience and don't trust ourselves enough to confidently define our families or relationship structures for ourselves. A bit like the boy in the story, he needed reassurance that the water in his hexagonal purple bucket was okay when the man said that it wasn't. But what if we do have the confidence to, to, to define what works for ourselves, even if it's different from convention? This is where openly recognising the variations of families, relationships and friendships helps. There's a short BBC3 video doing the rounds at the moment, which some of you may have seen, about an unlikely friendship which started between 25-year-old Gavin and 73-year-old Julie, and they're pictured on your order of service. They bumped into each other four years ago, Julie noticing Gavin's short dress and Gavin noticing Julie's bright red nails. They struck up a close friendship with Gavin referring to her as auntie and Julie treating him like a son. As separate individuals who are so different in many ways, even they couldn't have expected to have formed a connection which has become centrally important for them both. And if you haven't seen it, it's about five minutes long and you can watch it over tea and co coffee if you want. I've, I brought a copy of it. The telling of Julie and Gavin's story and others like theirs help counteract the stereotypes of expected connections and challenge the judgments held in society and within ourselves. John O'Donoghue's quote on your order of service reads, To the judgmental eye, everything is closed in definitive frames. When the judgmental eye looks out, it sees things in terms of lines and squares. It is always excluding and separating, and therefore it never sees in a compassionate or celebratory way. Our job is to challenge those judgments, redefining for ourselves so we are open to seeing the value and worth in connections we just wouldn't expect to see or wouldn't expect to have. Our story at the start of the service spoke of the magic water and buckets. But here in our lives, we can see the water as love and the buckets as the structure of the relationships we express that love and care for another in. So let us not overlook the many shapes and colours of how people define their relationships, knowing that one size does not fit all. Let's celebrate diversity instead. And in doing so, who knows, we might just find some unexpected connections of our own. So may it be. Amen. Jean Rickard writes, We have a calling in this world. We are called to honour diversity, to respect differences with dignity and to challenge those who would forbid it. So in the week ahead, may we do our bit 
to honour the diversity of things, seeing the beauty in connections expressed in unexpected forms. May we delight in the variety and creativity of life, and may we celebrate with others, affirming the worth and dignity of all. And may you go in peace, and blessed be. Amen. Oh,